This is a HeadGum Podcast. Hello, and welcome to Good One, a podcast about jokes. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. I'm actually recording this intro in Montreal, where I just finished interviewing this week's guest, Will Forte, at the Just for Laughs Festival. Yes, Will Forte is back after famously discussing the MacGruber sex scene last season. We are so excited to get this to you that I'm actually recording this in a closet in my hotel room. So, next you'll hear Will and I setting up the clip, which is the final scene from The Last Man on Earth. Enjoy. Hi, thank you guys. I am not Will Forte. Uh, he's behind me though. Uh, you're at a podcast. It's called Good One. Uh, for those who don't know what it is and how it works, we play a joke of some sort, and then we have the comedian discuss the process of coming up with it. So for Will, we're going to play uh, the final scene from Last Man on Earth. So if you have not seen that, I am super sorry. Uh, we don't have any other, anything else planned. So uh, you can cover your eyes and ears, but then we're just going to be talking about it for an hour. Um, so I'm so sorry. Um, so what we're going to do, because there's some visual elements and because this is an audio medium, eventually uh, we're going to have Will out to sort of describe the non-visual moments. I now see, we can see the screens from here, so I guess Will will sit, <laughs> we'll have to stand right over there. But first we'll do a real intro. Um, you, Will Forte is here. Will Forte is the creator, uh, star of Last Man on Earth. He was on SNL, you know, from Nebraska. MacGruber. So, uh, put your hands together for Will Forte. Hello. Um, so, I, I asked you ahead of time if you're willing to do this, which is sort of narrate the non-dialogue uh, scenes of the last scenes of the show. But yes. we, so, this is the, uh, to sort of set up, this is the final scene of season four which uh, became the default series finale of Last Man on Earth. Um, do you want to set up what happened right before this? So th- uh, where I don't they know are. where this is starting. Those are mountains, and that's a sun <laughs> in the sky. Uh, I think it's going to start with uh, Jason Sudeikis is about to leave. Okay, yes. Have most people in here seen the show, or people caught up? Okay, oh, good, because so, I didn't know how much... Uh, uh, I had to set up. Okay, so yeah, Jason, uh, my brother Mike, has come back into my life. It's very clear that he is longing to have some kind of relationship. He's seeing all of us in the group uh, paired off with other people, and and you know he's spent so much of his life. God, this is this is a very long explanation. He's spent so much much of his life, you know, going forward in his career. Now now that all the people in the world are, are gone, what does that all mean? He looks at all the stuff that we have, that the relationship I have with Carol and having the kids and stuff, and, and, and he really wants that for himself. So as, as happy as he is with us, uh, he, he knows there, if there's even the possibility of that somewhere else out there, he has to go you know, try for it and see if something's out there, even though we are, wait, what point, is, what point is this? So this is the second to last scene. And then, so he leaves and then you pack up and you're like, I'm so happy. This is that- us saying goodbye. Yes. And then goes into you. Okay, so I have just before this. Yes. I have just before this. Uh, gave a big speech. Really given a huge speech about that we have to be smart 
uh, uncharacteristically smart speech about how uh, we've lived from moment to moment uh, just being dipshits and, and uh, rambling, rummaging through places for old cans that aren't expired and the, now most cans are expired. We have to be smart about stuff. This is the perfect place. Uh, you know, there's uh, uh, orange, oranges, avocados. Yeah, there's there. It's a goats. food source. There's uh, natural irrigation. Uh, we had seen these goats, and so we thought this this is the place. And people are like, yeah, but this place. And it's like, but what what other? We're just going to search around and find a place like this. So finally, the group is won over. But I can tell that that Mike still is committing to this place is death to his idea of finding the possibility of finding anybody else. Great. So that's, yeah. So, uh, so now play the clip. Hopefully. <laughs> Mountain, as I said, I've told him it's okay for him, him to leave now. This is our goodbye. So this is it. For now. I have something for you. This is yours now. Yeah. No. I really grew fond of the rat. Turn around. Turn around. Yeah. He's now taping the rat tail on his brother's neck. Whenever you feel lonely, get that thing a tug and you know I'm with you. Now I feel bad, you know, I, I didn't get you anything. Oh, no, that's fine. Oh, you know, you know what? Yeah. A few armpit hairs. I know it's not much, but... I have a good rat tail story and a good armpit hair story. <laughs> okay, you find what you're looking for. Yeah, I do too. Then let's make like a tree and put some roots down. Oh, I'm so jazzed. It just feels so right. We did it. We really did it. Uh, I'm not doing a great guys, job of commenting. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll have comments after. Along the way. We learned from our mistakes. And, you know, we figured it all out. They let me keep this shirt. You better come here. It's just so friggin' exciting. And Kristen. For the first time ever. Hey, hell, even before the virus. Finally feels like things are going to be okay. Tandy, I think you need to see this. Sure, Care Bear. It's just so exciting. I mean, 
There's just something peaceful about being in the place where you know you're gonna die. People with gas masks, the orange fields, all around. Oh, farts. The end. So uh, let me just tell a couple teeny sure. stories before we start talking about uh, the stuff. The, the, first of all, his plucking of the armpit hairs, he, he like a pro, uh, kept plucking. Just each time he would pull out a few of his own <laughs> armpit hairs. So that was not, those were not stage hairs. Those were Jason Sudeikis' actual armpit hairs. Um, but then I think for the for the hero shot of his fingers, I think I I might have snipped off some of my belly hairs and handed it to him just so they'd register a little more because I think maybe he had picked too many of his armpit hairs and didn't have enough. And uh, then the rat tail story. The rat tail. There is so because we had to shoot everything. It was a really crazy two weeks. Kristen Shaw was pregnant. Her due date was the end of that week. So we were terrified that she would give birth early. She was also, it was, you know, at that stage of pregnancy, she was in a pretty uncomfortable all the time. And she was a real trooper. But, like, just we thought that it was best if we figured out uh, some kind of, uh, uh, oh, my God, I'm so dumb. What's work that around. Word? Yeah, work around. What's that? It's an easy word that I'm forgetting. What's that word? For, you know for contingency the, plan, right? Sorry about that. That's a word that's usually right there. Um, so, so that that's why we had the the situation where we had her get day apnea um, because uh, that way, if she couldn't do scenes, we could get a person a, a lookalike of her and then put the apnea mask and the sunglasses on. So several of those scenes are voiceover scenes with a completely different person in there. I don't know if, I don't, we couldn't tell if people could tell. It was, so the last two weeks were, were pretty nuts with the schedule. So the rat tail, I had to actually cut off the rat tail before that final scene. So we did, at some point I said, hey, just get a real close-up shot of me cutting off the actual rat tail and we used that, but all the other stuff of me pulling the rat tail and and putting it on Jason was was just a fake rat tail. And they have like they work up several different versions of the rat tail, but there's one that they call the hero, which is the weirdest thing. It's a hero rat tail. And for some reason, during the uh, uh, the scene, when I have to I, when I have to tape it on, some it, it, you could see that that it was already taped, mm -hmm. and we were trying to get the tape off, and we were racing for time, and then I ended up just, like, cutting it off with the scissors, but it was the hero rat tail, and I got in big trouble with the hair department because they, oh, it's not a great story, but, you know, it happened. That's, that's movie, yeah. that's uh, TV magic. That's, yeah. 
Um, so before we talk about the ending, I, I wanted to start a little bit from the beginning and then sort of move forward to set up um, sort of the context in which these stuff were written. So, Just so you know, if there's a story like the one I just told that doesn't seem to be going anywhere, you can cut me off sure. like earlier in the... Like, you know. like a rat tail. Okay, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so from what I understand, there was a brainstorm with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who you knew from Clone High, and this sort of idea of a post-apocalyptic thing came up but was discarded for being too Gilgan Island-y. And then a couple days later, Chris was on his way to dinner, and then it was brought up again, and it was clicked. And there's some new understanding of how to do it that made you go, like, oh, there is something there. That is the story that I've been yes. heard. What was the difference of it that you're like, oh, there is, this is something that is different than just doing Gilligan's Island? Um, because I think at first it was more of the group was already there, and then we thought of it, I don't know, there was something about the context of it, which changed in our heads, which was a little more, we thought of all the little grounded ways that would be interesting. Uh, you know, all the, just all the ways that you could take a look at very minimal slices of life and, and examine how different those would be in a world without people. Like what, you know, what is government anymore? It's a lot of it was kind of the, the first couple episodes with Carol and I and the arguments we would have, those were the things that kind of interested us. Like you would automatically be uh, doing things per the way you would do them yeah. when people are around, like you're not parking in handicapped places. It would be weird to, but if there's nobody else in the world, yeah. why not? But you would still probably feel a teeny bit of guilt each time you parked in there. So it was interesting uh, to have, it, to examine that kind of stuff. Um, you've said it, your first thing is just going to be a show that you wrote on. Did you have another idea of someone who would play the main character? Uh, yes. I think I remembered thinking Nat Faxon would be <laughs> yeah. awesome. I love him. I was, we were in the Groundlings together years ago, so, yeah, you can so see he's, he's one of the best. Um, so you had the general idea of how uh, the, the first season was going to go with sort of the reveals, the build, and then you got in a room, and then you sort of replotted out the first season. But did you did the sort of ex the idea expand more? Did you start thinking beyond the first season at that point, or are you still just sort of talking about how to execute a first season? I I don't think we ever had any idea this would go beyond one season, or even beyond half a season. Like it, it was, uh, um, you know, going in. I think I think uh, Fox was understandably scared about the pace and the lack of people. <laughs> and they were like, when they heard they, they were really fighting to put some flashbacks in the yeah. first episode. And there was one flashback of me having a birthday party, but it yeah. was like a really uh, more just like a montage. -y, no, no. Yeah, I think uh, I remember reading a yeah. pilot where you, you're at an office. Like you had a yeah, boss. There was, the, the, yeah, there was, there were, we had a couple of flashbacks. Um, but one was with my mom. Mm-hmm. One was, yeah, at an office where Jason Manzukas was my boss and he was a dick. <laughs> and, uh, God, I forget the third flashback. But it was, the more we went through it, the more we realized that that seemed like it would be cheating a little bit. And yeah. we liked the excitement of seeing if we could tell that story without those flashbacks. And, just, and, and, and so we were excited about that. Fox was still a little scared. Um, and ultimately, they, they made us shoot them, but then they allowed us to not do it. So I'm, I'm thankful that they were 
able to let us yeah. try it the way uh, the way we wanted to. Um, and then, but then, so sorry, this is a very long way of answering this question because that actually wasn't even what the question was. I can't actually remember the question. <laughs> It, did but, you think beyond the first season? But you were saying we didn't. You did not. But I think the, the, I guess the greater point I wanted to make was that that was the mindset going in, and I understand it. So, so as slow as we we would have loved to have slowed down that progression uh, of the introduction of people, um, we really were interested in the quiet times and the, you know, the, the less people, the better. Um, and I, I love, I loved eventually yeah. getting to everybody, but I thought there was so much exploration we could have done, but there was all, but I also, it took everything we could to, to get them to agree to, to have it go that slow. As it have it go that slow. Cause I mean, there was a point where, you know, we, early on they were trying to, you know, they were saying, oh, I bet they won't let you be all alone for more than like an for act. more than just the cold open. Yeah. Wow. Which. You know, so yeah. so we just had to uh, dig in our heels, and they they were great. You know, once we once we kind of showed them what we were trying to do, but I, but ultimately, you know, we look back now, and we yeah, we obviously would have liked to have uh, taken our time a little bit more, and and also we didn't know what the yeah. if if audiences would have the patience for it, and looking back now, I feel like they they would have. Um, so so. Uh, you know, but that's that was that was kind of where all our headsets are and, and why it happened that way. So as a result, the sort of season two ended up being and you had to start a new show, essentially, like essentially season two was like, OK, well, it, the first season was like a pilot for the second season in a lot of ways, just because it was the story and the arc of like why these characters are in this situation. Um What was the sort of determination in season two of like, OK, this is the story we want to tell now that things are a little bit more settled? Well, it seemed like um, in season one we were having fun with what a dipshit Tandy was, and but it was. It, I think a lot of people. I think we probably lost a lot of people um, who thought he was too mean or too too gross and skeevy and and I was. You know, I think we all were like, oh, we're willing to take that chance because he always it always backfired on him. He never won. Yeah. Um, so we thought. Oh well, that's that's enough. As long as he's not winning, that's fine. But then we realized, oh, you know what? Uh, you you want at least a this person to be likable. So we we thought that it would be. We thought um, uh, you know everyone loves Shawl so much. We thought you know it's it would you know to get them together. He can still be a dipshit, but as long as he's trying hard to not be a dipshit, he can make those mistakes. And I think it it. Uh, it it was just better for the show and better yeah. for the character and so so you know in a lot of ways i think it's really kristen shaw that makes this whole show possible and makes the tandy character possible season 2 sort of i th i think the point in which phil the non you phil dies is a sort of like oh this it, it felt like a the show came into focus in a different way where he died and then it was also that season you start seeing dead bodies much more often can you do, you do you remember what you sort of learned about like we are going to like have people die and have these people see people die and then sort of have to keep on going? Well, we wanted to have dead people in the pilot, and that was that was the one thing that we 
were not able to successfully fight for it. They, they, we had a, in the pilot, what was supposed to happen was when I first found the, uh, the mansion, uh, the new mansion that I wanted to yeah. move into, I go upstairs, there's a dead person in the bed. I carry this dead person down the stairs and then I have like a little funeral for this person and the word, all, the whole eulogy is just about all this collection of stuff like Dean Koontz novels and, you know, oh, you loved Dean Koontz novels and this and just whatever I saw from the crap he had around his house. Yeah. Um, and then I was going to burn that and uh, respectfully. And, uh, and, you know, so that I thought would have... There were a lot of people that questioned where the dead bodies were. We did too. So, yeah. uh, so eventually what, yeah. it got to a point where we were like, oh, now we can fi finally do that. And I think they were more comfortable with it because I, th I think they saw that, you know, the little things that we would do that were maybe not necessarily sunshiny moments, I, I think they realized that we could, you know, pull off sometimes. What do you think it brought to the show having, beginning of season two, you had like the whales on the beach and then you had... Phil died, then you had when Jason showed up, You he landed, there's lots of... What do you think that having those deaths sort of always be present and then sort of moving forward where characters are dying pretty, not pretty frequently, but pretty frequently for a show that's on Fox that's a comedy. What do you think that brings to the comedy of the show, all these deaths? Well, I mean, a, a couple things. Number one, I think we always wanted to try to keep people wondering what was going to happen and, and thinking that anything could happen, yeah. like to kill off uh, one of the characters. And, oh, you know, that's one of the things. Uh, another thing is we loved being pretty absurd and zany, but, but some of my favorite moments in the show are when we get kind of grounded and deal with the real stuff. Like that episode where Phil dies and Mary's in there trying to save him, you know, realistically... Oh, would somebody try to do an appendectomy? I don't know. I mean, in that case, there are eight people in the world. I, I, you either just let this person die or you try to go for it. And that was just like that, that acting that Mary does and that, 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 that's one of my favorite moments of the whole series is that end where Jason is rocketing down yeah. to the earth and, and, uh, and Mary's trying to save Boris slash Phil. I know you guys research sort of uh, like when would gas expire and like when would these, you know, to help you sort of generate stories. Did you like research how these people would be impacted by traumatic events? Like, were you like we, thinking? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> we didn't do that. We did kind of research gas and then we would kind of bring it up and then we would just drive around all over the place for a long <laughs> yeah. time with no problem and bring it up again some other time when it helped us uh we were we were hit and miss with our you know it's hard to write a show and sometimes you forget like oh that's right the gas should be yeah but we would re realize oh yeah but the gas it, it doesn't you know gas doesn't all go bad at the I same mean, time yeah. pockets of gas are probably still good over other places actually that was something we were gonna probably explore like a very more realistic. We had started doing it when the cans yeah. in season four, when the cans started going bad and that's kind of why we were moving down, but we were maybe going to start exploring a little more realistic version of once everything is shutting down and, you know, and, and you really have to rely on, on yourself. At any point either, you know, where, when you're doing character breakdowns or somewhere, 
do you sort of go, what is each character's relationship to the virus? Do you feel like each character, that is an inflection point of how they, not to the virus, but also to the fact that they're the, the last people on earth? Do you sort of, is that a thing that defines them? Or in, in what ways does that define them? Um, phrase that again. I want to make sure I'm. I'm sure. I mean, I just sort of right. think, I'll say this the characters seem to have different relationships yes. to the virus, and that is partly what moves the conflict forward. Yeah. Was that a thing you decided while well the beginning? If you're like, okay, let me write a bunch of characters and let me define them partly by how they are reacting to this? I mean, I, th I think that there was always talk every year about going back and doing stories like uh, like past, uh, yeah. visiting the pasts of the different characters and seeing their, their, like their prequels. Um, I don't think we would have ever done it, but it's, it was always interesting to us. So yeah, there was, you know, I think each person's individual uh, relationship to the virus uh, and there was just something interesting to me to, to thinking about what each person was like uh, before the virus and how the virus changed their lives. Like, I, it would have been very interesting to, to see what everybody was like in their other lives. So we would, you know, try to portray that stuff as much as possible, but it's just really tough on a, yeah. on a network show, especially you have 21 and 20 minutes and uh, 21 minutes and 39 seconds. <laughs> and it's just, you have to end up cutting so much stuff in the editing room um, so it's just really, really tough to fully explore. So uh, as we get to the season four, I, you know, on a sort of basic level, how is this show written? Like, uh, which I realize you don't take writing credits on, on computers. Yeah, but you like usually you, you don't take writing credits on any of the episodes. But like from what I understand, you're pretty heavily involved in the script. I, from you are very, very involved. So what is sort of the writing pipeline for a season then to an episode? Well. We'll all be in a room together, usually. So at the beginning of the season, I, I get to be in the writer's room all the time. So we're all coming up with outlines together. And then we'll finalize the outline. We'll have individual writers go off, write up the episodes. Then we'll bring them all back in. And then we'll all do them together. And then most of the time, at the very end, the writer of the script and, and, and me and, and I will get together and just hammer out the final version. And then it's pretty much that way throughout. Yeah. But then it gets pretty crazy once production starts because then I have to be acting from 6 in the morning till 7 at night or something like that. And and even the things I'm not in, I'm down there watching. And, and it gets to be pretty crazy because in between scenes, I'll just go over to the writer and we'll be writing. And there's just zero time off, like, lunchtime just go directly to the writers and and then when editing starts then it's just bonkers because then yeah. i'm acting during the week writing in between the cracks at the end of acting then i'm also meeting up with writers during the night <laughs> and then saturdays i go in at 10 in the morning edit until nine at night sunday edit or write it's just seven like seven months of 100-hour work weeks. And it's just, it was, I'm still coming down from it. It's pretty nuts. <laughs> so season four, what were the conversations like mapping it out? What did you know you wanted? Actually, at the end of season three, we, I, I had to get together with um, 
the heads of Fox and tell them, because, you know, they always have new shows that they're thinking yeah. about. Um, our, our show, I think they always liked and were proud of, but, but it's never been a ratings king. Mm-hmm. So they just, I had to have a meeting with them and, and tell them what direction we were going to go. And I said, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know what we're going to do, but what, what I will promise is that we'll be less precious with spoilers. We will try to get some more uh, marketable things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was why we had so many, you know, thank God we were, I mean, the, uh, having Kristen Wiig at the beginning for three episodes was such a fun way to start it. And then Chris Elliott and then the Fred Armisen uh, arc to me was one of my favorites also of the yeah. whole show. And then obviously getting to do stuff with Jason, he's like a brother. So, so that, you know, all three of those people coming in were, were amazing. So that was, that was really what we told them was we were just trying to give them stuff to market. Then of course they didn't market anything. <laughs> but did you, yeah. so did you, so then when you got together, did you know the certain, did you know, like, um, what did you know that you were going to have in season four once you started breaking it? Oh, we, we didn't know anything. <laughs> we honestly, we go in, I mean, that's not true. We knew that Kristen was coming mm-hmm. for a couple episodes. So we knew we only had her for two, potentially three. So it turned into three. So we knew basically that we were starting on a boat, taking off away from land. <laughs> and that was about it. Like every, every, ep, there are very few seasons that we would go into with much of a plan. Yeah. We would never know where we were going to end. I think in a, a lot of ways that was a really fun thing about the show because it gave us the freedom to just go wherever the hell we wanted to. And we had an amazing group of writers. So it was really fun to write ourselves into this place where we didn't know where it was going to go, but we knew there were a bunch of possibilities. Like, for instance, at the end of, uh, I think it was season two, yeah, when when I come back from Mike dying, yeah. uh, spoiler, um, <laughs> these people are coming, we see three people in hazmat suits coming towards us on the boat. And so we had the whole summer, we didn't know if it was going to be men, women, robots, like, mm-hmm. you know, we we didn't think there would be robots. But, there, but like, you know, it just, it, just, we just said, you know what, let's just, everyone just kind of, if you have any great ideas over the break, then uh, let me know. But we'll figure it out when we come back. Speaking of Mike dying, uh, I, I actually interviewed her, like, right after the season two finale. And you're like, you said it was a very fitting ending. So it would have to be a really good reason to mess with it. So why bring Mike back? Uh, and why this arc? And, you know, what did it show? What did it show about where Tandy is now? Well, I think it's, you know, there are seven. Yeah, I've, I've, I would have been also happy if that was the end. I thought it was such a, a nice way to end that brother storyline. But he's just somebody I like to be around. He's somebody I like to work with. And we were hanging out and I said, you know, we could write you back in. There's, there, we have an idea. Yeah. Uh, and I said, if you have any interest, just let me know. And, uh, and it just ended up working out. So we thought, yeah, it's worth it to, to have one of the funniest people on the planet be part of your show. And he's also a tremendous actor. And um, it, was a, it was a no-brainer. So yeah. we you know, just figured it, we would go for it. And why this arc? Why this specific story idea? I mean, I think 
initially we just said, Mike shows up at this certain point. I wake up with the half yeah. hair. And that's all we really knew. And then we came up with everything else. And I think that that was the blob thing. You know, everything was then kind of working towards what what our group needed too. And kind of, uh, we had always had the idea of a couple people being around, but I'd, we just wanted to wait for the right time. And, and yeah. I didn't even know if any time was the right time. And initially, um, it seemed like, the people coming out from from the you know the the trapdoor opening yeah. up the hatch opening up it felt like that should be the very last scene of the season but just the way the the way the episodes were laying out it would have either made us kind of tread water before or we would have to go past it so i thought that that, that it would be we made the decision that that would be let's just go for it We'll have that be the penultimate ender, yeah. and then, and then we thought it would be pretty cool to have them surrounded. That felt like that was, you know, we 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 just thought that that was the better trade to make, so that then we didn't have to be treading water when when the stories were kind of naturally uh, going in the direction they were going. So, so the people, which I've heard you said that the, the ideals brought up years before it. Um, in some capacity, what was the idea that was brought up to, and then sort of um, why after season four you're like time to build to that? Hey, there's now the population is like doubled, or I guess it would be quadrupled, or more than that. Why? What was the original idea that was brought up years past, and then why time to do this? Well, I mean, the the people coming out, it was always. We never knew exactly what it was going to be. Some uh, when it was pitched earlier, it would be, "Oh, is it was the government conspiracy that Pat had brought up? Was that was that it?" And uh, so, so at a certain point, you just felt like there was to avoid stagnancy between all the characters. It seemed like Gail and Erica were in a good place. You know, everyone was kind of in a yeah. good place, and it felt like, "Oh, let's." fuck it up and, <laughs> and, you know, figure, figure, figure it out as we go. And we, we kind of, we know we do. I was really reluctant to bring in the people. And then somebody had an idea that I loved that made me okay with it. Which is what, who, what the people were. This would have been the beginning of season five. If we had it, you, in an interview right after the episode, you said you didn't want to bring it up because you don't want to spoil season five. And it also will hypothetically give Fox reason to renew it a little bit. Or you would leave Fox on the hook if they didn't renew it. So now uh, the show has been canceled. I'm so- the show was canceled. Um, so will you say what that idea was that you were like? Oh, I'm happy to, I'm happy to say it because we could still do it. If I mean, it's, nobody's going to want to do it. But... Uh, <laughs> But this, it, we don't know how we were going to end the show. Like, we would have tackled that in the same way that we yeah. do everything. We would have had everybody together in the room, and we would have figured that out. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just so many smart people in that room. It, it, you know, we would have found something that would have been fitting for the audience. But the way that, that we would have handled these people, so they're, you know, surrounding us. Mm-hmm. Basically, they had been in this bunker... And they, they went down when the virus had first started, and they, you know, had some kind of medical expert or scientists who 
knew, oh, at this certain point, the virus will be dormant, you'll be safe to get back out. Um, mm -hmm. And so it had reached that point, they come out, then they see a bunch of stragglers, us, and we represent a real threat to them because they thought that everything was dead, they were safe to come out. So they quarantine us and we eventually communicate with them a little bit. They get comfortable with us. They're very nice people. Like they look, they look scary, but they end up being nice people. They're probably a couple not nice famous people, people in sure. there, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> um, or at least one or somebody, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody's acting. Somebody's, somebody's the main person. And eventually we'd all get comfortable with each other and they would kind of let us out or let one person, they wouldn't be scared anymore, let one person out. And then we are immune to the virus, but we're carriers. And so we would infect them and it would just, they'd die like wildfire. <laughs> and, and then we're kind of back to just our little group. And maybe one famous person we could talk into staying around for a while. So that's so that would have been it, and then we would have that probably would have, that arc would have lasted four or five episodes, and then what we were hearing at the very end, we were hearing, oh, they're going to bring you back for ten episodes, so yeah. you can kind of finish up, and that sounded great to me because, to be honest, I told you about the, the the schedule was just so insane, and I was thinking, oh, ten episodes sounds great, like it sounds like a, a doable amount that that I won't go crazy with so so uh you know then we would have probably tried to figure out how we cruised to the ending and um i i after after the <laughs> ending i think after or after i got canceled uh i wrote a piece about how i liked this as a series finale i know you didn't write this with any mind for it to be a series finale but i like this as a series finale and i will tell you tell you why which is um what especially the season four you had so many cliffhangers where a nice thing happened, and then a menacing thing was, like, cut to at the end. And there was a certain thing of, like, oh, the show got a rhythm of, like, there's nothing that lasts forever in this universe. But what you appreciate the things you have when you have it. You feel like the show had a point in that regard about what you were saying about the end of life or the end of whatever society's value is? I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it. I, I and, and I remember reading that, and and uh, I'm sorry that I didn't email you or anything to say thank you. Uh, That's why I booked you for the show. Uh, okay. <laughs> I knew that it would work. Um, the message of all of us growing up. That it, it, yeah, I could see something like that being a, a fitting message for yeah for the show finale. I mean, if it wasn't for that crazy cliffhanger yeah but, but something like that would have been nice so it's just I, you know but then we throw that cliffhanger at you and it's like oh that's well, it's kind of like the sopranos ending in that way where it's like oh the whole show was building to this sort of like point about existential dread or whatever yeah which you yeah still, I, now it seems like you in retrospect did not oh my god it. i'm just realizing right now that i wrote a bonkers ending uh that i have show. on my phone it's, it's this was before we knew we were canceled. This was maybe a year before the fourth. If you get, do you guys want to hear it? <laughs> it's the dumbest thing you've ever heard. Um, let me see, where is it? 
So we start on a cat with its eyes closed. We hear a voice. Pebbles? Pebbles? Pebbles! The cat's eyes open. We see Tandy standing over the cat. What's up with you? Did you have a little cat dream? No response. Tandy says, you want to tell me about it? Carol comes in and says, Tandy, that's so silly. We all know cats can't talk unless they have their vocalization collars on. Carol grabs a collar and slides it around the cat. The cat starts talking. (laughs) I had the craziest dream. You both were in it. Tandy, you were an idiot. Then it just kind of goes out there. It's kind of like the end of uh, uh, The Wizard of Oz, (laughs) but as told through a talking cat. A cat who, whose meows can be interpreted through a vocalization sure, sure, sure. Uh, collar. You've had some time since the show ended. Uh, in retrospect, did the show achieve what you set out to do? And you know, what did it set out to do? Did it express how you're feeling about uh, loneliness, death, society? Did it, did it do what you wanted to do? I am certainly very, I'm very proud of the show, and I, I love it with all my heart. Um, Certainly there are things where you're striving to do something and make this deeper Mm -hmm. message that sometimes you don't hit the way that you want to. So, you know, I I do feel like we created a cast of characters that, that loved each other as people off camera, and I think that came across on camera. I'm I'm just really proud of the show. Like I, the thing I'm really uh, proud of is, is just we, the the fact that we were able to bounce through so many different tones. Like we would be so crazy, and then, I mean, the moment when Mary Steenburgen reveals to Kristen Shaw that she used to have a kid, and the kid died, is, I mean, that's to me some of the I don't know. That's a mo- like a, an incredible acting moment and to be able to have a, the show be able to go to places like that I, I'm, I'm really uh, proud that our writers and you know we were all able to create a show where you could mess around so much and at the same time just do millions of fart jokes yeah and it was I don't know I'm I, yeah I, uh, certainly you, there are a million things you wish you could change but but I'm I'm you know pretty proud of of what we're able to do. And do you like the final word being farts? I know that you. I feel like you wanted the show to have more cursing, and farts was a workaround. <laughs> I don't know if I like it, but it it does seem appropriate. <laughs> um, you don't. Uh, what do you? I don't know if you know what you're going to do next. And but what have you learned about like yourself as a creator of things that you want to carry into whatever you do next, beyond sort of having less hours of work to do. It was ju- it was a very hard experience. I think it did change me in a negative way in a lot of ways. Like like I don't know. Without getting too personal, I I, I had to live a little more selfishly for a while, and I I don't like that. And I don't think I I don't know. I still feel like I I don't think I could ever do do it again mm-hmm. in that way for sure. Maybe if it was like a eight episode thing but but I it was just it was very hard so it, was, it, it really made you realize like that you know this is your dream this is the dream that you have is to be able to be in complete control of something and then 
but then it's like at what cost like yeah. you don't see your family or your friends and it's um you know it's 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 very hard and and I'm not you know it's it's exactly what I wanted but it's it's it was hard so to to think of a project that you work on with other people, um, I feel like every time I see you, I ask you this question. So where are we with MacGruber two? <laughs> that that's always what I want to do. So yeah. it's it's you know we'll we'll see. I don't know. If it, it's it, it's legally always something that's you know with with especially now that MacGyver is a and a show that's present that's currently on the air. Um, you know, that's always going to be something that, that has to be figured out. So, uh, but I, I have confidence that one day there will be some form of MacGruber and we're thinking about it and trying to push something forward. But at this point, we just have to wait and like, let people figure out the, the, uh, legal side of stuff. Can't, you can just change his name. Didn't you, I feel like the last year you were saying MacGruber's, the whole the ending of the movie is going to be that MacGruber's name wasn't MacGruber, wasn't that? Oh, yeah, that it was MacGruder <laughs> with the D. <laughs> but I guess that still sounds too much like MacGyver. Um, so now it's time for the final segment. <laughs> I don't know if you remember from last time. So this, so this, this time for the laughing round, it's the final segment. It's like a lightning okay. round because comedy, it's a laughing round. Okay. Um, no one's ever laughed at that before. Thank you so much, Canada. Um, one-word answers? No. It's literally none of these are even close to one-word answers. Okay, just, just Most talk of them slowly. Are like singing songs and like, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so this is the first thing I asked you last Sorry, time. Sorry, you guys. I feel like it got very dark. I'm very happy now. I'm, I'm, uh, well, getting... it's like, it's, you know, trying to create a tone similar to the show. There's lighter moments. There's darker moments. Okay, okay. That was, that was my goal. <laughs> That's achieved. Um, so... Uh, can you sing whatever's in your head right now? To the beat of the rhythm of the night. Dancing till the morning life. I'm gonna find what's on your mind. We can leave the... Oh, baby! Um, do you speak French? No. Perfect. Uh, can you speak... Un petit peu. Can you That's keep really on talking? That was, I was going to ask you to speak French now, that, knowing that you don't know how. Uh, so do just for a fake Je m'appelle Will is it uh, 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 Justin Trudeau of uh, Montreal. Mont Montreal oh my god I, I went to <laughs> I went I took one year of French in uh, seventh grade and this was and I'm very old so that was god how old would you be in seventh grade 12 well, and i'm yeah. 48 now so that's 36 years ago and probably 10 years ago i went to france and i was staying at the odeon hotel and so i get in this cab and the guy says where are you going and i said uh the odeon hotel he said the the odeon hotel i do not know odeon 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 and I honestly went for about a minute. And then I finally wrote it down on a piece of paper. And he said, oh, the Odeon. And I'm like, yeah. That's what I've been fucking saying for... It, it was just it was such an asshole move. Because it was very... like It would be like somebody saying, do you know where McDonald's is? And I was like, sorry? McDonald's. Sorry. Oh, you mean McDonald's. 
Uh, can you do an impression of yourself? Uh, sure, I can do an impression of myself. This is it. I'm doing. <laughs> it's Kermit I the Frog. I try to do, but usually I'll do. Andy, Andy, Andy Samberg has. Uh, oh, the Swedish chef. One that he does of me, and so does Seth, and, they're, and they're, they always sound. They always sound kind of like this. <laughs> and I realized through them doing my voice that I could do uh, Kermit Fr the Frog impersonations <laughs> or Ray Romano. Um, do you have a story about being naked or your naked body uh, at SNL, preferably, but sort of anywhere? I feel like I've heard you would be naked for comedy often. Um, I, oh, this one's, this one's awful. I, uh, this was very recent. Uh, so this was maybe two weeks ago. Um, and I had, uh, ridden my bike over to my friend John Solomon's house. We were, we were writing the material that we did. I did a show last night, and we were getting together to write the stuff there. Well, we had made a plan with Kristen Schaal and her husband, Rich Blomquist, who's an amazing writer who's on our show. Um, they were coming over with, uh, with their baby, Ruby, who's, who is, uh, you know, a couple months young now, a yeah. uh, couple months old. So I had ridden my bike over and got super sweaty, so I hopped in the shower. Shawl wasn't there yet. And then when Shawl got there, I was just out of the shower dripping wet, and I ran out naked, covering my genitals, of course, but to go meet Ruby. So <laughs> I met Ruby fully naked for the first time. Can you uh, yell at the audience? I, I feel like you're a great comedic yeller. Can you yell at the audience? What did they do? <laughs> what did you do? You fucking make me sick, you pieces of shit. It's unbelievable what you think you can get away with. Not even full audience. You couldn't fill the thing up. <laughs> Fuck you. You don't have enough friends to respect me in the show? Get out of my face. You're nothing to me. Except I love all of you, and that's all just part of his question, because sure. you guys are all wonderful for coming. That's I also felt great when it was action. mic'd up that I couldn't fully do it, because yeah. then it was so... Okay. Oh, it's great. And sorry for the swear words. I could have yelled without swearing. No, you couldn't. Have. Um, do you remember any of this, the Model T cars, jars of beers, toddlers, and spaceship songs? Two other options. You could either sing uh, the closure song from The Last Man on Earth, or uh, the song that I believe you auditioned with SNL for. Oh, maybe I'll sing that because people. Uh, uh, Do you know the it's story? kind of it's a little dirty. Uh, the story is that so so uh, I used to do this uh, character at the Groundlings. It was called the Goldman, and so I would be standing up on the stage, uh, all in gold, gold face paint. Uh, sequin gold outfit, everything gold, and I had a jar that said, dollars make me move. So people came up and said like, oh, look at the gold man, put in some uh, money, and then I would, you know, do that. And they go, oh, that's amazing, great, great. Well then, after a couple people come through, a, a robber comes through, Jim, do you know Jim Rash from Community and Oscar winning writer? Yes. He um, did the leg thing. Yeah, he was, he was a robber, and he would come in, look around, and then he took everything in my thing. Or first he, like, 
tried to make me flinch. And then he took all the money and just walked away. And since he wasn't putting money in, I had to stand there. <laughs> so then finally somebody else came and put money in. And then I tried to go walk after him. And he was gone, though. So I was looking, and I was very sad. And I went back and just stood up very sad. And then a father and son come, come in, and the, the son says, Dad, why does the gold man look so sad? And he says, I don't know. Maybe if you give him a dollar, he'll tell you. And maybe if you give him two dollars, he'll tell you in song. So this is the song I sing. And for the first part of it, you'll know when it goes, when it goes off. For the first part of it, it's this unifying song where all these people get around me on stage, and they're just, they're, you know, they're, we're all uh, a community of people uh, wanting to make the world a better place. And then once the revelation comes out, it's slowly people start backing away from me. Um, so uh, apologies for the dirtiness. This was my SNL audition. Uh, so maybe if you give him $2, he'll tell you in song. Puts in $2. Just because I'm a man made of gold doesn't mean I'm made out of money. But the calling I've found is to give people pleasure through incredibly precise robotic movements. <laughs> That's why I come back to the streets to help me make ends meet. And I work real hard to fill up that jar. But then a bad apple ruins the barrel. Heart of gold. 24 carats. But through all the pain, I grin and I bear it. Heart of gold. But I'm living a golden dream. And any way you slice it. We're all on the same team. Come on now, everybody. And everybody starts singing. And there's also a musical track. Heart of gold, 24 carat. But through all the pain, I grin and I bear it. Heart of gold. But it don't make me no saint. Because I got a little secret. I suck cock for my face pain. Come on now, everybody. Heart of gold. I suck cock for my face pain. 24 kids. I suck cock for my face pain. Cock. Face pain. I suck cock for my face pain. I suck that cock for my face pain. Face pain. Cock. Face pain, face pain, cock and face pain. Cock, 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 face pain. Cock, cock, face pain, cock, cock, face pain, face pain, cock, cock, face pain, cock, 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 face pain, cock, face pain, cock, cock. Together at last in a heavenly union. Cock, 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 face pain. Cock, cock, face pain, face pain, cock, cock, face pain, face pain, cock, cock, face pain, cock, cock. Then it would go out from there. I apologize again. So that was how I closed my SNL audition, and I was walking out from the audition, and Lauren Michaels sitting there saying goodbye to everybody, and I just said, sorry about all the cocks. <laughs> Will Forte, thank you guys for coming. Thank you for coming. That has been a good one. See you next year. That's it for another episode of Good One. 
Good One is produced by Mike Comite with additional production help from Marika Brownlee. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on Apple Podcasts. And hey, if you know anyone who might like the podcast, maybe tell them what the heck. You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back next week with a new comedian and a new joke. Have a good one. That was a HeadGum Podcast.